This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. To be precise, it would be our 114th episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. And with me, as always, my friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskel. How's it going tonight, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Holy shit, 114? Yeah, yeah, we're getting up there. Done a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some podcasts I listen to where this is like five or maybe ten years of, you know, shows. For them, 114. Well, that's a, why we always bring time. quantity, not quality. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's our mantra. <laughs> that's, right here, yeah. so. Hey Ryan, how's it going? <laughs> oh, you know, it's the world feels like a bunch of smashed anchovy assholes, but no, you survive in a can. In a can, like all of you, uh, like you're in a can, filled up to your 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 nose and smashed anchovy assholes. Just that. Uh, but according lo- to some, it makes how, like, the best Caesar dressing. So it does. we open mm-hmm. almost every show with an Throw inside joke Tortorini. coming from what we were just talking about, but that the audience has absolutely no idea what we're talking about. Oh yeah. And usually yeah. we don't explain them either. We're just like on with the show. I, I, I like, think we should just start a Facebook <laughs> thing. Like, what the hell were we talking about this? Time? <laughs> yeah. Let's see where uh, it goes. But I mean, it's not just for the show. I feel like that's my entire life. Like right? any conversation I bring up to anybody. It's usually followed when someone asks, how are you doing? I just full out, like, admit and make them regret ever asking me. <laughs> it's, yeah, give, um, give them the whole and, rundown. And, and, and that is a Midwestern whole... thing. Yeah. That's a big time Midwestern thing. How you doing? The only answer is good. I don't care how bad your day is. I don't care if you're on the march to death row. You're like, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, you know? I'm the worst yeah. Midwesterner. Because I, but, oh, I'll yeah, tell you Midwesterners, and I do it too. It's like, how you doing? Not good. They're like, oh, I didn't ask. But I, when people do it to me, I'm like, God damn it! I didn't ask. Oh, I do it too. Oh yeah, I'm one of the good the the goods. Like, I, it, it honestly, I could have a knife sticking out of my chest, and someone would be like, Hey, how's it going? I'd be like, I'm pretty good. You seem like not a sword. Guys, like, I don't want to inconvenience you. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. Or See, more you, like, you know, half the time, it's not like in a rude way, but it's like, yeah, I don't really want to like give you the rundown of like everything going going on right now. So. Oh, for well, me, I, I want to crush the... a person's soul and test their test their kindness. And I'm like, it's either you're going to pay attention to me or you're never asking me again. Either way, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Or they just get very specific with what they ask you instead of just like, hey, how's it going? They're like, Ryan, are you well today? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just very specific. I'm like, okay, I should have never asked. Yeah. <laughs> but I, think I had a it, kale I... salad with my beefaroni. <laughs> there's there's got to okay. be some like nice middle ground there when somebody's like, how you doing? Be like, not good, but I don't want to bore you, so I will just go with the socially accepted fine. I think with yeah. my... Which is exactly what I'm saying, but I just phrase it as pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so... I can tell you if you have a combination of social anxiety and ADHD, it's just like... 
I feel like you have to like wear some kind of like ribbon on your chest so people know ahead of time like okay he's wearing he's wearing the lime green ribbon I should not ask him how his day is doing just do a silent what you know midwestern wave with like a nod and you purse up your lip <laughs> like but, but, mm-hmm. but what if it's St. Patrick's Day and they're wearing green just because they're celebrating well, to be fair, Joe, they're drunk, and when drunk people ask you how you're doing and you do what I do, they actually fucking listen. Now, yeah, are they fully capable of paying attention? No, but they are trying because they think they're supposed to. Drunk people are weird. Hence the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And hence the movie we'll be uh, discussing mm. tonight. <laughs> yeah. Lots yeah. of drunk, and speaking of St. Patrick's Day, we're going to talk about one that <laughs> actually uh, has a lot to do with, or starts on St. Patrick's yeah. Day. Very, um, And I feel like... This one I'm going to put in, like, uh, if you're a, you know, white man in your mid-30s, you might need a little bit of a trigger warning, because I think we're going to go the opposite way that you might on this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a chance I may lose friends on this one. <laughs> this is a movie that... I'm kind of, like, tell you what it is in just it. a second. I'm hoping it. Like, I cannot that... unfriend you on Facebook. I'm hoping you listen to the podcast and my views and you unfriend me, <laughs> so I don't have to deal with that awkwardness. <laughs> yeah, this is one that was a gigantic, and I don't even, I'm not even going to, we'll get into like the actual like, you know, kind of, um, it was a big sleeper hit, but like, just in my group of friends and people that I knew, this was a gigantic kind of cult thing, even mm-hmm. um, just like everybody loved this movie, and that of course, what I'm talking about is the 1999 uh, Troy Duffy film, The Boondock Saints. On the streets of Boston. This was no gangland assassination. It was way too sloppy. Something went wrong here. An FBI agent is on a case. All the low lowlifes in the quiet city of Boston start dropping dead, and you think it's unrelated. They're all bad guys. Now they're all dead bad guys. The victims are the mob. What we have here, gentlemen, is the beginning of the first international mob war. And the hitmen think they're on a mission from God. Anybody you think is evil, do you think that's a little weird, a little psycho? Sort of like 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. That is nice and good. There's two shooters. Bang, freaking fantastic. This guy's very sharp. If he hasn't figured this out yet, he will. All we know is what we found out from the neighbors. And the general consensus is they're angels. Amen. In a place where the violent have the power. Destroy all that which is evil, so that which is good may flourish. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. All the things I wish I could do, these guys are doing. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood. There was a Starring Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus, and the great Willem Dafoe. So, um, yeah. So let me get you a quick synopsis, and then we'll dive into everything about this movie. Um, 
Tired of crime overrunning the streets of Boston, Irish Catholic twin brothers Connor and Murphy are inspired by their faith to cleanse their hometown of evil with their own brand of zealous vigilante justice. As they hunt down and kill one notorious gangster after another, they become controversial folk heroes in the community. But Paul Smecker, an eccentric FBI agent, is closing fast on their blood-soaked trail. Um, it's kind of yeah, like a Bonnie so... and Clyde for drunk Irish dudes. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. It uh, certainly. I'm sorry. It's but I got. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the comparison because it, it's it's a little weird. It, it is, <laughs> but it works. We're gonna it keep works. it. Like I'm, I'm not uh, like I thought. Like maybe I should make it more accurate. Nah. <laughs> it's like kale and beefaroni. What's the point? You could have honestly said anything for drunk Irish dudes, and you would have been describing this movie. So yeah. Um, so <laughs> what do you guys racist. like? Did you guys um, see? <laughs> uh, what's your personal history with this one? Like, was this one you guys saw? Like, I... when it, contemporary to when it came out, or like when when did you become aware of the Boondock Saints and the weird cult following that it has? Well, so I. Um... It came out in 99, but it was such a limited release. I actually didn't hear about it until college. And I kept hearing references to it and how badass it was. And then finally, gosh, I think it might have been my sophomore year or maybe junior year of college. I finally saw it and I was like, oh, this movie's badass because it's violent. It's like, yo, they're kicking ass. And Willem Dafoe's just weird in it. And and then I, oh, and Ron Jeremy's in it. That's funny. And... Uh, <laughs> But I was yeah. never as obsessed with it as other people. Like, I I knew people that were really really into this movie, and I I was never that. I was like, yeah, it's a good one. When the sequel came out, I didn't rush out to see it. I watched it, and I thought it was really dumb. But I've never yeah, I, I never even saw this. I movie. enjoyed this one enough to buy it on VHS. <laughs> right at the right when I was still disrespect. on my. My still at my. I'm not buying DVDs yet. I I bought this one on VHS, which I now do not own. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? What's your? I, uh, I, <laughs> this is a lengthy story. If we can brace for it, uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll limit it as best I can. Um, uh, very quickly, Joe. Joe, sophomore year for you. What year would that have been? Of college? Yeah. Two thousand one to two thousand two. Okay, so I saw this a little right, bit. Right, it would have been my than... senior year of high school. I yeah, I, I saw this in high school when I was 17. Okay. Um, so I had to be around tw- uh, 07. It was 07. Uh, yeah, 07. Okay. So, so it had been around for a while then. Okay. It, yeah. Almost uh, and, 10 years. And, and let, me, let me paint the backdrop here. Um, so when you guys said, first off, when you guys said uh, 90, it was made in 99, I didn't know then nor now that it was that old i actually thought it was made like a couple years prior to when i saw it so that's interesting but so there was kind of this like it felt like a weird resurgence of this movie in high school uh and i was vaguely aware of a few people liking it and shit but uh i didn't really get fully exposed to it until one night uh i was hanging out with a group of friends um, mainly I was hanging out with like one friend and the girl I was dating at that time. And then all these other friends in the basement of this house in the middle of nowhere. And if any, uh, listeners, uh, don't already know or do know, I li- I lived out in the, in the boondocks. <laughs> I lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. I lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere. So I lived at, so 
and so did almost everybody else. So I'm at this person's place, miles away from a town, uh, in the darkest woods, like near a road, but like it's dark, a country road. Uh, I'm in their basement, and there's like fucking god, I th- I want to say there's like ten, thirteen of us, and they're all Christian. I'm the only agnostic at this time, uh, atheist now, agnostic then. If th- that changes your opinion of me. I guess I don't care. But anyways, it's one of those... I have to paint that because that's important here. So everyone is just... Someone mentions like, hey, let's watch Boondock Saints. And I'm like, I don't think I want to watch that. And my girlfriend turns... My girlfriend at the time turns and goes, you don't know what it is. I'm like, it doesn't sound like it's something I want to watch. It has the word saints in it. And you're all Christian. I don't want to see it. And they're like, no, you're going to love it. You're going to love this movie. I shit you not. All these people like fucking gush over this goddamn movie. All these these God abide Christians watch this movie and they force me to watch it. And all of them pass out at 930, like 30 minutes in. So it's me, the lone person who has to fucking watch this movie against his will because I don't want to get up and turn off the DVD player. <laughs> so it's like everyone's passed out around me, like me. Alex in a clockwork orange at this point, by the way. So yeah, like it's... With your eyelids pinned open and. I thought you meant sitting there like drinking milk. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. well, that's I, all they I, were I was going serve. on to say in which scene, but you know. okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you figure out which scene. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> I had my feet on somebody, <laughs> like as a rest. I'm sure while they were sleeping, knowing me at that time. Uh, but it's one of those things. This is like after watching, I'm like, okay, I can see where that was entertaining. Um, but it kind of like leads to this awkwardness of just like, God, a lot of Christians like this weird group of white people brandishing weapons and going on their own vigilante justice spree. That's unnerving and relevant. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out that we decided to review this movie before... Yeah. Just literally a few days before, if not a day before... Um, the continued situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin yeah. is going on. Um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting coincidence of, of picking a movie that's all about vigilante justice before it was going to be like come we, to the... We picked it on August 23rd. It was like already like kind of floating there prior, but like August 23rd is when we like, oh yeah, we could we could do that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely wasn't the, the you know on the forefront of my mind when picking this movie, um, certainly. So let's talk a little bit because we're gonna dive into that, and I have a feeling we're gonna that's gonna be the 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 meat of what we're gonna talk about here. But I would say for full disclaimer, let's... if you already got a good idea where this is gonna go and you're still with us, good on you. If you left, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's a well loved movie, and I don't I I. And because it's kind of a cult classic and it's one of those like little movie that could in a way, um, I, I kind of hate to take a shit on it. Um, but at the same <laughs> time, like, I think, I think it's a, it's a relevant discussion, especially being how this aged cause this was made, this was, this was lensed pre Columbine. And so a lot of things have changed in our world since the times when, you know, first of all, Boondock Saints was written when it was made and it was eventually released and became, you know, the cult classic that it is. Um, Anyway, so to talk a little bit about that, this was at one point, Troy Duffy's screenplay for the Boondock Saints was considered to be the it screenplay in Hollywood. Like, there were 
everybody, every studio, everybody was out there bidding on this thing. He had the bid like way, way up and uh, um, managed to get, I think they ended up going with the, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk about so many people that ended up being, let's just say, less than class acts when, uh, as time went on. But uh, Harvey Weinstein at Miramax uh, <laughs> was the winning bidder uh, eventually and, and brought this thing into Miramax and they were going to get it made. Um, Troy Duffy has a, I'm not going to talk a lot about him, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he has a reputation for being a hard dude to work with. Um, he is essentially a Quentin Tarantino type character in the fact that he was not Hollywood royalty. He you know, basically was a bartender that played in a band that wrote a screenplay that all of a sudden had Hollywood begging, you know, begging him to make this thing. Um, somehow talks everybody into letting him direct it. And then pretty much tr does everything he can to destroy this movie. It's 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 a miracle it got finished. It's even bigger miracle that it was successful. Um, there is a documentary film, if anyone's interested in more on that, because I'm not going to go on because I haven't seen it, but called Overnight, about Duffy's you know kind of like rags to riches story, um, but also kind of focuses on him and his personal challenges and and. Kind of how he repeatedly shot himself in the foot. He would have been a major, you know, had a major career and just, just, you know, was his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. Mm. So they went through about a hundred different versions of casting this thing. Eventually, Miramax got sick of throwing money at it, asked for the, a lot of their uh, money back, and this thing went to a um, independent. Um, I'm gonna have to edit here because I didn't put it in my notes. Anyway, maybe I won't even bring it up. But an independent studio is going going to release this, and um, so Duffy gets in the director's chair, and they end up making the movie they made. We won't go through all the speculated, speculative cast. There was basically a who's who of Hollywood um, was attached to this thing at one point, mm -hmm. kind of like everybody was out after the script. Like, there was, you know, every big name um, was attached to it at some point, and uh, they ended up with the cast that they ended up with, so that being Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus, and Willem Dafoe. And um, I guess that's really where I'm going with this. That was just a little backstory on what did you guys think of the cast and the characters in this film? Are there favorites? What works for you? What doesn't? Um, let's start with you, Ryan, I guess, since you had such an interesting way of seeing this film. <laughs> I will tell you this much. Like, straight out the gate, the only thing that kept me interested, or at least sane when watching it, was just uh, William Defoe's performances. Despite how weird it is... <laughs> I, lo I love Willem Dafoe. He's just a great actor, and he will, it was like, "Thank you, Willem Dafoe, for being the lighthouse I needed to guide me uh, through the darkness of Boondock Saints." You like what I did there? Drink to pun. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, oh, I like that's, that. That's an excellent one. Uh, Willem Dafoe is great. The rest of them, yeah. I'll let Joe finish. Uh, yeah, so I yeah, Willem Dafoe. As much as I have some problems with his character in this, it is very late nineties. Yes, it's um, very yeah. problematic. I'm not denying it's, that. It's problematic, but he plays a strange portrayal of this character. Uh, but Willem Dafoe, yeah, he's he like a homophobic homosexual. Uh, yeah, and yeah, there's some there's some trans stuff in there that's really strange. That I mean, the way it's portrayed is is I don't know. Uh, it feels off, but. The, the, the McManus brothers, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus. I mean, Norman Reedus has exploded now, you know, thanks to Walking Dead. <laughs> um, and and uh, he is a good actor. I've seen Sean Patrick Flannery and other things, too. 
He's very good. In this one, they're pushing this Irish accent so much. Oh my god! It's hard. This I, I will say this. <laughs> Can you even the, call it an Irish accent? It's like a it's guy like, doing a St. Patrick's Day commercial for yeah. his it's, it's used like, car it's dealership. Like, it's like the Lucky Charms leprechaun, <laughs> down on his luck, decided to go on a rampage. Well, yeah. the the thing that really got me is, so you know how like nowadays I don't know about you, but I watch everything with subtitles on nowadays. I oh, you're getting there's... older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me but too. even my kids do. Like Lisa, my daughter prefers to have the subtitles on, just because she can pick up what's going on better. I don't know. And I've read a lot of more people are doing that too, so I don't. Feel All so my friends do it. We're I, doing. I swear it. This is the first time I ever watched Boondock Saints with the, uh, with the with the subtitles on. So I actually did understand every line <laughs> this time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the script leaves something to be desired. But, um, yeah, the brothers, I guess they're fine, other than they're weird motivations and i mean their performances are okay but they're not really written to do much it's just they're pretty cardboard you know what what is it, the motivation because i i didn't throw this in, they I only inspired saw the by and only inspired by to. god or something okay yeah like well the, the inspiration is their favorite pub gets run, run over by russian mobsters and um they kind of set forward to like set that right um they get in a fight with the russian mobsters russian mobsters come back after them they miraculously are able to escape which really happens is the uh sean patrick flannery's uh connor i guess his name is um drops a toilet on a dude but they read it somehow as divine intervention and they're called by god to keep you know clean up the streets it's yeah it's not explained a whole lot and the characters are so like an actual modern day shooter yeah, the characters are so weirdly cardboard. Like, it it seems almost intentional. Like, they don't... Like, I think it is. I think the screenplay is written in a way that, like, things kind of reveal themselves to you as it goes along. So I think initially they're supposed to be kind of mysterious because you're learning about them. You're seeing these little snippets from the news and, like, uh, all of it going on uh, of Smecker's Willem Dafoe's character investigation. So um, it's got kind of an unconventional narrative, which was really popular post-Pulp Fiction in the 90s, right? And um, so I, I got the impression that it was supposed to be something that kind of gradually, you kind of gradually started to understand the characters, but they never really get there with them. No. I feel like I understand more about, you know, Smecker than I do, which isn't a lot, <laughs> but than I do uh, at least his motivations and, and why he is how he is and uh, than either of the um, well, brothers. And, and, and you know there's another say, thing, Schmecker, too. Is... It's got to be good. With a name like Schmecker, it's got to be good. Oh, I got a drink to that one, too. Yep. <laughs> I got it tonight. So, y- the, you're on it. Um, some of the side characters in this, too, really bother me. So, like, David Delarocco plays... David Della Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> and he's obnoxious as, like, the comic relief. Yeah, um, I really can't stand that character. I really can't. He's he, he, Some of the funny lines are uttered by him, but looking back, it was funny because I was laughing at some of the lines rewatching it this time, and then I immediately thought, why am I laughing? Oh, muscle memory from when I was, like, 20. <laughs> well, and he's... Because it's not funny. Some legitimately funny moments, but... He, uh, there's also a whole lot of him being a total creep and asshole, and I his character's like super unsteady. Like what? What? So I can't like figure out like same with the same with the lead characters. Yeah, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to feel about any of these characters. They're just kind of and the 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 part of the plot, I guess, where the the police are like, we love these guys. 
why? Yeah. Why? I mean, other than this, this really comes off like... as very much, you know, pro-police propaganda. But I just, I don't get why this was suddenly, like, that was a big part of the plot is, so they turn themselves in for this thing, and of course it's all self-defense. But now everybody loves them, and they let them sleep in the jail because that's better than the shithole apartment they're living in. And the press loves them, and everybody loves them. I'm like, why? I just yeah. didn't get... That felt really rushed and pushed. Um, I, I wanted to it's, mention a couple other characters real quick, and, and that <laughs> is Don Giuseppe Papa Joe Yacoveta, played by Carlo Rota. Um, yeah. I swear that's a... I swear that it's, you know, it's supposed to be, like, he's the mob, but he sounds more like he's Russian mob. Like, he can't decide on the accent. <laughs> yeah, accents are up there, too. Is this Italian or... Ron Jeremy's in it as... Ron Jeremy, pretty much. I mean, he's a yeah. a, a right hand mob dude, but and he's a scumbag both in real life and on the screen. Anyway, right. it's just all of these characters. So and then less Billy said about Conley. Him, the God damn it, Billy Conley! I expect more from you. Oh yeah, Billy Conley is actually great in like the three seconds they let him act in this movie. Uh, he and Willem Dafoe are the two things that keep this movie afloat for me. Yeah. Um, they're both enjoyable for every single second they're on screen, and. Um, yeah, honestly, the the grade that I'm going to give this that is going to be resoundingly better than I think either of you will give it is going to be because of Willem Dafoe and how much I adore his uh, performance in this movie. I mm -hmm. just absolutely he he makes this movie for me. So yeah, um, so yeah, I like the the narrative structure and the plot of this movie. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I don't feel like it's super important. I don't feel like it was like really even that important to like Troy Duffy and the people making it. They were trying to make a Tarantino esque kind of crime vigilante movie and they were trying to make something cool you know that was violent and very night very late 90s overly violent it, it um, works for those who are uh 16 with repressed uh anger and violence tendencies like teen christians and and, I, and 20 year olds in high and, and college sophomore yeah. <laughs> totally. don't get me wrong totally it totally works for me in those parts too honestly like yeah that's what works about the movie is it does have a lot of cool like action <laughs> scenes. cool kind of funny action scenes the the falling through the ceiling and hanging upside down shooting up the room is a it's kind of a classic scene um that's well, i will say it was done better in punisher war zone it was done better in punisher war zone the agree. only person who <laughs> no one's seen that besides me and you punisher so. war zone is joe peterson and the <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> to punisher and, and the soundtrack's great but i digress <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so that's kind of one of my things is like everybody was all over this movie when it came out about how horrendously violent it was and it seems like this one still gets picked on for that and sure it is i mean it's definitely it's it's a it's a you know gun nut fantasy or gun nut you know vigilante fantasy um they shoot but, a cat damn it you yeah, don't they shoot a you cat. don't shoot the it, animal it is absolutely the most hilarious cat execution I've seen in a movie. It's got the Marvin from Pulp Fiction effect. Um, that so. was the that was the moment yeah. where I'm like in the basement going, "What the fuck am I watching?" No, that's not the only moment, but it's another like I should really. I have to it. admit I, that the I, cat I get the up. cat getting shot as cruel as it is, and I would never shoot a cat, nor do I. But the way it's played in this film is quite funny. Well, especially it's the <laughs> it's line that it's the, the line the scene ends on where it's just like a red splattering on the wall, and he goes, yeah. "Is it dead?" <laughs> I'll give it that. Like, there's there are a couple of lines. Um, yeah, no, it's it's got its moments. Um, 
this film gets picked up for being like heavily brutal but what do you think like compared to like modern action s- films that this is still a genre of film that gets made um with the recent popularity of the john wick movies um what do you think it could be in comparison to something like that john wick's we better really, well john, john wick's a better movie it's a better crafted movie and it's the sequels got, are better <laughs> but um like I guess what I'm saying is, like, is it really so, like, why why are people still picking on, and I, I have a thought about this, but I want to get your thoughts first, is why are people still picking on the Boondock Saints, even to this day, when stuff like that is, is perfectly acceptable? I, I, I think, be, I mean, uh, my opinion, I never knew that Troy Duffy was kind of an asshole to work with, but I could totally see that watching this movie. <laughs> because it it's so sloppy. Everything in this is very sloppy. The storytelling is sloppy. The accents, the everything, the the rip-off music. I'm sorry, but some of the the songs in this are totally ripped off from like Rage Against give you the a Machine. Wild, wild guess of whose band does a bunch of the music on this. Troy Duffy's. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you know, it's all of that kind of <laughs> shit that it feels like this filmmaker was like, everybody wants this script. All right, I get to make my movie. Well, all right, the accents are good, but you know what? Everybody wanted this movie, so that's going to be good enough. When I feel yeah, like movies yeah. like John Wick, they're like, how about we have this really ultra-violent, trained, skilled hitman, but we're going to make you root for him immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, like every single thing he does, you're like, I get it. You know? Well, yeah. Because talking about, you know, animals dying in movies, that's uh-huh. like one of the most effective that pieces was, of examples yeah. right there. But So that's why I think, I think because this movie doesn't uh, respect its audience. It, it pretty much is like, you're going to like this because it's violent and because it's got, you know, hard uh-huh. rock and because it's going to have a Tarantino vibe to it. It's, it's going to be balls to the wall or whatever. But really, it's, I don't know. This is like... Uh, you know, when 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 you you what's the meme that goes around like what it looked like on the internet and what Wish actually sends you? <laughs> that's this movie. Yeah. You know, oh, you think you're getting the next style of Tarantino esque film? Mm, yeah, but it's not. It's like a yeah. it's like a knockoff stuffed animal at a carnival. SpongeBob's got square holes. You know, <laughs> some weird shit like that. <laughs> Ryan, any thoughts on? I don't know how to. Uh, there were so many branches there. I felt like I just fell out of a tree. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Because <laughs> um, the whole time that he's talking about it, I'm just looking at like the cast and I'm looking at their names, like the names of the characters. And I didn't know it's like, mm. oh, their last name is McManus, but it looks spelt like Mac Man Anus Man Anus. That makes sense. This is very much a Man Anus film. <laughs> that's where my own there it is so that's my answer this whole okay. this whole flick is it. a man's anus it, a good old av- it, uh how we started off good old uh i was gonna say an artichoke ass anchovy what i was thinking and that's that apart from like you mentioned this earlier i don't remember if it was on or off the air if not i'll so i'll kind of re-say it but um you mentioned the death wish movies oh and yeah yeah that that and the boondock saints are like the two things that i can think of that are really really into the philosophy of this vigilante shit that's going on in the movie like they they really are not like it's not a cautionary tale 
it's not you know about a you no, know it, it, some it, kind of a phenomenon like you know crime crime and um you know somebody having to become oh it, like in the classic like west craven sense hills have eyes you know having to become your worst person to to survive a situation no this is just straight up glorification of of like vigilantism like vigilantism the whole, yeah. like the idea that not only is it okay or no 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 let me rephrase that not only is it an option uh it's okay and it's a it's celebrated actually, one it's a celebrated one yeah, yeah. and uh yeah or, like like in was, the case of john wick like a man pushed too far that's not this that's not this either all they did was bust up these guys pub and they're out there you know killing everybody in sight and then you have a bunch of 17 year old christian kids in the early 2000s going like this is the greatest movie ever <laughs> and then because well, they like, only wipe out evil men quote okay yeah. my, my finger quotes are going hard all the time when i'm saying stuff like this but but it's just um, it's just immigrant on immigrant violence i'm like yeah that's okay in america <laughs> but yeah there's there's yeah. a scene in this one where they go to a a strip club peep show to take out um ron jeremy's character and then while mm -hmm. they're there they notice that in the other booths they say oh we should come down here and clean house every week and it's like wait what's what did these guys do? I mean, they're perverts, but what did they do? Yeah, well, they're perverts. And maybe right? I should—I don't know if we call them perverts. <laughs> I mean, they are supporting a sex industry, which is fine. But you know, it's—it's it's right. like what you know. I'm just like okay, so they're depends on the sex industry. If it if right. it's like something in Amsterdam that's like you know, uh, they have insurance, legit. But this they is have this is like, like this is a so strip good. club peep Pay show benefits, thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah if this is like a human trafficking situation, then yeah, maybe that's a different story. But they never say that story. it is. This seems yeah. like a legit. Right. They don't business really like justify that. It's they don't just, seem you know, like oh, investigators. They're... Let's be honest. No, but it, they don't. Yeah, like, right. It's like that's well, they're why... bumbling their way through this shit the whole time. And so the humor of the film is based around that. But these guys are not competent. Even even the brothers. I mean, Rocco is even more so an asshole. But um, they're not competent. You know. But I feel like they're vigilantes. They're they're, <laughs> they're demonstrated. They're tried to be shown that they are. But you're, I agree, they're not. They make stupid mistakes. But again, that's Troy Duffy being sloppy and being like, well, that's what you're going to eat. You know? Yeah. Well, These I mean, I think heroes. some of it's an intended to be funny. It doesn't It doesn't always work. But I think that is, they're trying to keep a humorous aspect to the movie, which misfires more than it hits. But yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot uh, of plot devices in this that just don't add up. Or there's, there's stuff that's put in there for no reason like i feel like the entire concept of rocco having that girlfriend uh you know marnie or whatever it is yeah is entirely just so he can have a scene where he points a gun at her friend's face and screams offensive things at her that seemed to yep. be the only justification you for know that you know what this characters. is it's kind of like it's kind of like a Kentucky Fried movie situation where you have a series of just like skits, but the skits aren't comedy skits. They're like violent, horrific comedy skits, just one after another. I'm like, I'm going to try to make this a, a, a narrative thread. Well, and that's in a way how Tarantino, you know, put, you know, edited Pulp Fiction. Where yeah, but Tarantino's there's, there's, good. There were, <laughs> well, it, and pro problematic too, but in, in yes. different ways, at yeah. least. You know, the humor hits on his stuff. It's very dark humor, but it hits yeah. more. Uh, well, he's, even, a, he's a good writer. I mean, whether well, I you like what he was, writes or not, like, he yeah. writes interesting stuff. Well, like, his dialogue, yeah, he, he has a nice dialogue. Like, the majority good, of his scenes yeah. aren't necessarily the violence, but the dialogue is, like, I would argue three-fourths of a scene, and then you have the violence that leads up to it. Yeah. Right. I feel like Duffy was trying to do that here. He just He didn't. was. 
It, it just didn't work. I mean, Tarantino is also very derivative, both of the films he's inspired by copying, and also even eventually now he's become derivative of himself. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like, oh, throw in 70s references in long-winded conversation, uh, you know, play some classic music, and now we're going to have, you know, a really absurd, shocking, violent scene. Now we move on to the next story where we do the same thing all over again. And in this one, it, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to make a Tarantino-esque movie, but I really don't understand what the hell those are. And, yeah. and this... But I, I'm I okay say, with I, that, and so were but, you. But you know what? <laughs> But hey, everybody wanted my script. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the and I do feel like today. Um, I mean, Ryan, you you said that this movie had a resurgence. You said around two thousand seven. Well, I didn't sequel, even know it was a resurgence, but yes, okay. yes, that's that the is sequel what sequel came out in two thousand nine. It could have. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing here. Maybe that's around the time it was announced that it was going to be made. So I think it came no. Out. I think that's right. I think two thousand nine is exactly right. I do have a question, and and this is a total ignorant question on me. And I hope uh, you too, or maybe our listeners, can help me out with this. This isn't me trying to be a smartass for once. Why the fuck is this called Boondock Saints? Boondocks, that's like the boonies. That's like out in the country, middle of nowhere, in the mountains. I mean, there's also that one animated show, The Boondocks. The Boondocks, which is about, uh, you know, these two kids outside, you know, they're they're in the suburbs, so they're outside. They're in the middle of nowhere to them, right? Well, I get yeah, it. They're in yeah. like a foreign land. Boondocks, it's like they're in Boston. I, don't, I don't get it. Can you know somebody... what it might be is like combined with the word boondocks saints because I'm looking at a definition of boondocks from Wikipedia. Is yeah. an American expression, blah blah blah. That means mountain. Originally referred to a remote rural area, but now is often implied to an out of the way area. <laughs> Nothing considered rural about this movie. Backward and, it's not out of and the way. well, no, no, no. It's considered out of the way area, considered backward and unsophisticated by city folk. So in a way, these are unsophisticated, unorthodox saints. But they're but they're city folks. No, they I'm saying I'm saying the boondock no, element. This I is this is saying. me yeah. trying to like I don't care either way. It. But Dog. this is me trying to kind yeah. of come up with an excuse for it. I think he's trying to use the word boondocks to represent backward and unsophisticated, and then you oh. have the saints at the end. So these are these are. I mean, I get the saints. Back. I get the saints part. It's the boondock thing. I mean, I don't know if I, that yeah. very well. There's different ways. Well, I agree. There's different yeah. ways you could have gone about it. That very well could be the case of what you're saying, Ryan. But if that's the case, that's about as good as Mel Gibson's, you know, fate versus faith in the movie Signs, where it's like, yeah, sorry, M. Night, that's not how those words mean. <laughs> oh yeah, but, I'm okay. not saying it's successful. I'm just saying that might have been like what yeah. he was trying to think about. I'm gonna call something faith, but it's really fate. And anyway, I don't want to get off on that tangent. There's a <laughs> review for another night where I'll bash hey, a movie even hey. worse than this one. Hey, um, uh, reach out and touch faith. Well, let's talk about for a minute, and we talked about it earlier in the episode that this movie became unexpectedly relevant over the past week, or yeah. at least you know vigilantism and uh it's kind of its role in uh the world right now uh made i'll admit made this one a little harder to watch so i think maybe we're picking on it a little harder than we might have had we had the world not dealt with this but i think it's fair because that's the lens we we look at things through so if we're going to look back at a movie we have to kind of soak in everything that is going on in the in the current uh climate that we live in um and like I said earlier, I feel like this movie un is fairly unapologetic. Like, this one actually, I think, eats or is swallowing its bullshit about 
I mean, it starts with them on toilets, so... <laughs> eliminating, you know, evil from the world, like this, you know, that, you know, oh, it's totally cool to just waste people, right? And uh, as well, long as it's, you know, you're only killing the quote-unquote evil men can I in the world, and... I want to point out the evil that the, they're killing is just a, a group of Russian mobsters. Not like KKK yeah. or, you know, anything else. Like something or that's the serious. the sexist thing. bullshit that they say at the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah. I you know, point out the, the opening scene when they're working in the meatpacking plant and the woman comes in that oh, yeah. is working. And, you know, of course they, they caricaturize her as this, you know them nazi kind of thing you know she's got untouched by man tattooed on her neck and all this shit and yeah you know this like caricature that puts a bad taste in your mouth right away well yeah and then you know sean patrick flannery's explaining something and he uses the the phrase rule of thumb and she goes off on a social justice warrior rant about him that results in them punching her out yeah and what does the manager say when he sees it? He rolls his eyes, almost like, laughs. Oh, He's like, oh boy. Like, like gotta deal with the this The same now. reaction people have in the opening credit sequence of a sitcom, you know? Like, yeah. oh, wah, those wah. guys. Here <laughs> and we go again. Yeah, and I mean, I'm watching it <laughs> yeah. this time going, oof, this did not age well. Well, Duffy's even... obviously got an issue with lesbians, period, because of the way he treats the girlfriend character. You mentioned the scene with Rocco and mm-hmm. his his girlfriend and her girlfriend, it seems like, at least. Um, yeah, there, there's an obvious issue there. I, I, I guess so I shouldn't just, like, straight up call him out, but I, I will, because it Please just seems it, like he's got a chip on his shoulder about something, so whatever it's very uh very dated and very targeted when with those couple of scenes um which sucks i mean that that is definitely something that detracts from my enjoyment of this yeah Uh, i I see um, what you mean though about you know the the relevancy today because that you know we're 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 referring to the the situation in kenosha with the the young man from uh antioch illinois uh kyle rittenhouse who was was there with a ar-15 style rifle and shot three people killed two and went home right his mom took him home and and there's a big national debate going on right now about whether it was self-defense or whether he was in the wrong place and he shouldn't have been there or both or what or if this is murder i mean this is this part of the really problem. like i mean they probably have to like lift up a rock to see this group of people i mean not really unfortunately they seem to be more prevalent than that but people that are actually celebrating this person as being some sort of a hero and uh, we're not just talking about ann coulter it seems to be a little more prevalent than that um it seems to be very much what this movie's getting at and this movie would have been really clever i think if um it was making a critique of that but it's not it's never well, clever enough to make, use that as making a critique or, like, give it a balanced, like, is what they're doing a right thing? Is it wrong? You know, what are the factors? It is never, it never goes that deep into it. They use kind of a point-counterpoint thing with the news clips that they use in it. But it's always, the movie itself, it's always very pro, um, what are the names? I keep calling them the brothers. They're the something brothers. Manus, Manus brothers. They're the main Manus, Manus brothers, that's yeah. right. Yeah, man anuses. Mm-hmm. Um, but McMahon anus by mcdonald's it's just the mcrib let's be honest we all know what that is you all eat it up but i don't know that's really my point i keep saying the same thing over and over again i don't need to keep repeating it but it's that i i don't think it's being clever it's 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 honestly just making it you know seem 
cool vigilante justice to seem cool like it's um well i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt your thought no no go ahead because i, I want to i want to brand i, I want to build off one thing that you said is like it doesn't make a commentary like let's look at robocop for example another hyper uh hyper kind of violent movie um very popular and stuff you know it was it was kind of like a low thing whatnot and then it became huge um and i think a lot of people think like yeah this needs to be crime rates really high and shit and it's part of that time period where crime rate was high and people kind of got off which i mentioned earlier that vigilante kind of let's fight against a growing crime rate porn essentially uh, but where robocop is they are actually making a commentary on like the abuse of of law and 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 uh or or corporations and such again invested there is a message being dealt with here even in judge dread as well where you have a an officer like first off i should mention that the 90s dread judge dread not the, the yeah. better dread but even that one too but the idea like just because the law enforcement is the law and it keeps up and it doesn't mean that it's actually right it's still flawed like it, it, it's it's painted in a way to attract these people who you think who think like yeah this is what we need the 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 heroes who are anti who who go beyond these Miranda right restrict like restrictions and these like what do you mean criminals have basic human rights nah fucking put them down like the dogs they are but the thing is is like these movies do have their commentaries even fucking Judge Dredd. 90s mm -hmm. version has their commentary about like actually that's not a great philosophy as well it's flawed as well this movie is just like nah let's get hard let's get hard on it mm -hmm. yeah yeah like I, I i feel like the troy you know troy duffy the writer and director of this film believes everything that he's spewing out here yeah like the world would be a better place if i easily could go see him being the a, streets you know i easily see him being a kyle supporter <laughs> i mean yeah if he's like philosophically if he's right with you know the mcmanus brothers in this movie totally they would be exactly they're exactly the kind of people out there and if um, and if he thinks like for... and i will say if he says like that's not true i don't i don't like that at all I'm like but you don't you're not making shit that conveys that just yeah gonna make that argument um well yeah. and you yeah. know I, I i find it interesting that you know, so we're talking about this movie and the the relevancy of it with with vigilante justice and bring up Kyle Rittenhouse because that's the new thing in the news here. But I'm curious why we're not hearing more about the the Bernie Getz shooting in 1984 in New York City. Mm -hmm. Or uh, excuse me, was it 84 or was it 80? Yeah, 84. Yeah, sometime in the 80s. Mid -80s. Well, the, the subway vigilante. Mm -hmm. Um, you know who who injured four people. Um, and this was clearly planned, uh, you know, and he was feared they were, he was going to get mugged. I think he'd been mugged once. And so he was worried he was going to get mugged again. And so, but he planned it. He was very specific and he, to the, uh, I guess last he's been heard of was in 2013. He was arrested for drug charges, but, um, in the early two thousands, he did an interview on Larry King and he, he said oh what I did was great it was good for New York because it made them have to rethink their crime stuff so here's a guy who had no remorse yeah, none at all he 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 was interviewed on do you guys remember William Shatner had an interview show for a while where he'd kind of interview controversial yeah characters. Aftermath yeah maybe I think that's what it was but called but he uh, he interviewed him as well and he still same thing like he was he's a little old man at this point now and, and uh, 
still, yeah, was totally unapologetic, was was 100% convinced he had done the right thing. I and think, that's kind of the, the shocking thing about it is, I, I don't know, I mean, I would, I would like to think that this is such a... Uh, this, I would hope it would be an impactful thing, even if you did have to do something like this out of self-defense, that it would be impactful enough that it isn't something you would be cavalier about. But, you know, we see people like, um, you know, this guy who is obviously very cavalier about it. Um, I don't know how this Rittenhouse kid is going to be because we also didn't know what the outcome of that situation is going to be. Um, but, you know, the uh, the uh, George Zimmerman, another one who you know, killed Trayvon Martin, also mm -hmm. very cavalier about it in the aftermath to a point where he was auctioning off the gun that was used and he would sign people's bags of Skittles at gun shows. Um, yeah. You know, really disgusting things like that. So, well, that's kind of the thing, like right there is, is like the idea of that evil is like occasionally every once in a while we get a person who is evil when the reality is that it, it, it's, it's all around like the, these, these tendencies, these thoughts that, um, these justifications to commit violence against others while promoting like, um, it as justice is like the most... I would argue that's actually like the most evil because it's it's evil in a sheepskin. It's evil using moral justification. It's a lot different than when, when you go against something like a Doctor Doom where they're like, I'm being evil because I am evil. Somehow I think someone who is using a flawed sense of justice is even more evil because you who can't has a moral come... compass that's just skewed yeah, to a it, way that yeah. Exactly. Because it's hard to fight that. And I I, I'm going to step out and say, like, that's a big problem. And I'm not going to say that's not a big problem that, that's, that's happening more so today. It's a big problem that's always existed. But today, it's the zit that has now come to head. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. Like, once it pops, it's, is it going to heal? Or is it going to become uh, infected and, poison, and become blood poisoning that just destroys the system as a whole? Um, and that seems like a heavy thing to like, well, this is a fucking boondock saints review. And like, maybe, but like I said, like I, I was forced to watch this by a group of fucking Christians and I, an atheist, and I'm going, this is morally like fucked up. And I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know how many times in a small town as an atheist, it's weird. I'm not trying to do this like weird little, like cry game, but I'm saying it's, it's an awkward situation where I felt uncomfortable because if I brought it up, like a lot of people would like challenge me in weird emotional ways my morality like well how can mm -hmm. you be a moral person if you don't believe in god i'm like well because i don't do bad things towards people because i'm afraid of my punishment i don't do things towards people oh sorry i don't do bad things towards people because i don't want to do bad things towards people that's mm -hmm. it there's no whether or not i get rewarded or consequence i just don't want to harm others <laughs> it's like Right. But like, and nor does that mean I want to find justification. I'm not saying that like, so if somebody pointed a gun at you and like, like, no, that's, you can't do those kind of weird straw man, uh, or weird scenario situations because, you know, survival, survival. But I'm like, in the context of things, it's just, if someone's going towards a protest with the mentality that they, they, with a gun, with the mentality that these people are violent then there's some kind of weird narrative that they are following that they feel like it's okay. So it's kind of like, 
and you start oh yeah start to layer this <laughs> but always are the good guy in their own and fantasy that, right and so that's it's... the thing like i like i'm a i'm somebody and i know you guys are too where like there are those people who constantly question like where am i at every once in a while in your life you question am i doing a right thing where there's others who don't even bother and those are that's the worst thing you can ever fucking do isn't is feel like no matter what it's like nope i'm always choosing the right decision i'm like no what's well, those really, really rigid it. moral um rules that that are yeah. set into people and that's what i think to tie this back to the boob but to boondocks it's just so problematic about this movie is that it is totally based on this like really rigid catholic form of good and evil and it allows this these two brothers the mcmanus brothers their catholicism and their catholic belief system to determine whether people live or die based upon that very rigid system well it's it's um, not about you know reform, they, they may drink punishment. beer and, and cuss and smoke cigarettes and do all this stuff and seem like cool characters but they are religious extremists when it comes to the point of being judge and jury and executioner um all in this so, so that whole side of it versus something you know like a, a, another kind of um you know revenge flick like john wick or um you know other other violent movies tarantino stuff whatever that's what I think sets this apart. And like I said, the only other one that I put up there is like the Death Wish movie. And really only the first one that's so like dark and so convinced of its own righteousness that it's just a terrible movie because it just like, um, because it believes so much in what it's trying to say. And I think it's... What uh, about the Punisher? Um, yeah. That's, well, well, that's an interesting character, but I, I can't recall a time I've seen the Punisher not portrayed as a lost type man. A man psycho. trying to find himself like um somebody somebody who's been beaten down to a point where he's lost you know um grip on reality yeah. sanity you know something like that i've never seen him portrayed as a hero he's always portrayed as an anti-hero these two yeah. characters the mcmanus brothers are full-on portrayed as folk heroes yeah at it's the not end, just that the press at the is end with the press that. thing they try to you know hint at not everybody agrees but clearly the movie yeah. makes them out to be heroes um, well, and let's not forget that this end of this movie ends in a mass shooting in a public building. Um, well, or, I, mean, I they, should say a public execution. A public execution, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that kind of yeah. brings up the, this kind of, and I got the question. So, do you guys feel like this uh, with Death Wish and other movies, like? And it's weird because I don't like. It's weird to go about this way because you know you're setting yourself up to being like, oh, are you just one of those liberal critics. Uh, whatever um but it but but well, don't worry like... i'm gonna turn around and say i actually kind of like this in a, in a certain way so okay. i'm just trying to look at you know the, the philosophy of it really bugs me is what it's what's but, the but, issue but, but yeah but, but that's the thing like where you do have movies who do explore this aesthetic uh who do realize what they are exploring and they do have a consequence at the end for these characters who explore these things or they find they find a way to kind of like bring back like the the darkness towards a little bit more of like a more moral message more or less to say but where you have movies where like no it's the whole like full-on you gotta just it's that very much american way and i mentioned this prior to the podcast about this you know where violence was actually steadily growing um prior to its decline in the 90s but there was this story where the baby boomers and such like they were used to like these movies like death wish and so on 
who were these like uber violent vigilante uh when the law can't do what it needs to be done like this was an actual worldview this was uh based on situations that people were actually feeling because of a growing crime rate where nowadays in my generation our generation because we're kind of in the same generation we are more used to an actual like if you look at it statistically there has been a steady decrease in crime consistently um since the 90s and it's just like Mm. but so those the idea that like you gotta ah you know take the gun up to your thing it's like eh. but i'm seeing the kids who are influenced by those old, old movies and move on i don't know i don't know where i'm going anymore no i know i know where i'm going with i don't think i should keep going with it i read something really interesting the other day that that feels kind of pertinent to this and that was talking about you know the the problem with batman in 2012 is the cops have all the same shit batman does fair enough except they're actually more heavily armed yeah so yeah. And more numbers. So, so the idea of the original concept of like a vigilante superhero, which is, I believe in law and order, but law and order can't keep up mm. with the problems we're having. So I'm going to help them. Um, you know, I don't know, you look at something like Batman Begins, a big part of that, and actually in, in The Dark Knight, is that there's a shit ton of corruption even in the police force that's where they had to go with it because you can't be like helpless cops anymore you know because it's like well they've got tanks and they've got these things so Well, well not just to grow off of what you're saying and then at the same time where you have like a batman character or a vigilante a vigilante is like the individual who feels like he must go above the law so that makes sense because then, then that means the law enforcement still exists. I think Dark Knight puts it best. It's like, I need to do these dark things because I can do them. I can take the credit for a murder. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Why the law can carry it forward. But however... Well, it ends when with you him have being law, a fugitive. Exactly. Right. But when you have law enforcement who feel like they are those vigilantes, like I'm a cop, but I am a vigilante, like... That's a problem then. And, because and like... that is there because have you noticed, and this is something I have a real problem with, is a very common symbol now for supportive police is the Punisher logo with the blue line going through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the that's Punisher really disturbing. disturbing when I see that. And, yeah. and I've, I've talked to police officers who were like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know what that was. And it's like, it's now that you do know, do you it's see why it's messed up? It's still a skull. It's still a skull. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Either way. Well, and actually, um, the creator of Punisher addressed that in in a recent issue. Maybe not the creator, but one of the creators of Punisher, one of the more recent creators for it. Story um, writers, yeah. The writers uh, actually addressed that. There's a in one of the more recent Punisher issues, two police officers come up to Frank Castle and you know we're talking about how they really like what he does. Not everybody in the department does, but we think you're a okay. And he looks at their car and sees the Punisher logo thing, and he peels it off and throws it on the ground. And they go, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "You are not like me." I became me because of what happened. I I do the things you guys can't. You don't don't you dare look up to me. If you keep yeah. doing this stuff, you'll be meeting me and you don't want to. You want I love the the end of the line is you want a role model? Go talk to Captain America. He'll be glad to have you. <laughs> well, and I was really happy to see that. Like good for you Marvel because this that's pretty disturbing when I first saw that. I was like, "Wow." There's a guy who's like, I'm going to just randomly kill people because, and I'm unstable because law isn't good enough. The law didn't give me justice. Yeah. 
and they embrace it. And I don't. I I would like to think that some of them do it just because it's an edgy looking thing, but uh, it's still like an oozing skull, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. a little SS for me, and I don't like that. It's <laughs> just it's just kind of a a perversion of. And side note to people, well, you can edit this out if you don't want this in here. But I'm just saying, like Joe, you are. You're not just some, but you were raised within. Oh, I was raised around law enforcement. And law I, enforcement. I, You're just not we, some person saying this. You know people I, I, in law enforcement. Yeah, family. family and friends in law enforcement, and I respect yeah. what they do. I respect the job of of, of law enforcement because yeah. I, gosh, I can't imagine a world without it. However, yeah. it's a changing world, and it's time we start looking at different kinds of policies and practices. Not maybe entirely, but you know, a yeah, speeding ticket still a speeding ticket. But when it comes to types of force and i think just the attitude and i've and i have seen departments doing it and that's really refreshing i think that i mean i have no hesitation in shouting out that even our campus uw oshkosh campus police department i think is a model for how community policing should work they're very very open and i i think that's commendable um and so no i i don't want to just give this impression i don't think any of us do of like carte blanche cops are all bad but oh. you know what? If 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 you run into a bad car salesman, he rips you off. If you run into a uh, you know a, a crappy chef, you you get crappy food, or maybe you get you know food poisoning. If you run into a crappy doctor, you have a surgery that gets botched. And if you yeah. run into a bad cop, you can die. So yes, we do have to hold different professions to different standards. <laughs> you know <laughs> well that's kind of like a thing that's kind of like a thing where the, this idea that just because you're in law enforcement therefore you're automatically a moral person when that's not the case it's kind of like when you have people like if they're automatically a sci- scientist for example therefore they must be a great scientist no or if you have someone who is a teacher they must automatically be a knowledgeable person no no like just because you have a c- certain um certificate or like uh, proof of ed- like that you went through a course does not necessarily mean that you've gained, collected, and understood yeah. that knowledge and also moral like as as former President George W. Bush said at a, a, a college speech one time, and I say to the C students, you too can become president of the United States of America. Yeah, <laughs> it's just been so long since I got to make a Bush joke. Oh, yeah. I kind of miss it. It was simpler times. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, well, he did say that, and it was funny. But anyway. We should probably tie this up and uh, get back to the movie and give this thing a grade. Yeah. Um, if I dare ask. But uh, what do you guys have? Any final thoughts on the Boondock Saints? And um, um, yeah. It hasn't it, it hasn't aged well. Um, and, and I think... The reason people probably liked this, myself included, back in the day, uh, or liked it more, is because it was pretty much just glorified violent fantasy. When it's not fantasy, and when when we're you know you you look at it in a changing world, you know, twenty years later, twenty one years later, it's this movie's old enough to drink now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It doesn't hold up very well. It it can't hold it and. Um, are we doing grades now? Or? Yeah, let's okay. do it. I, I, you know what? It's funny because I think when you, when I saw this movie in college, I probably would have given it like an A minus or a B plus. Even some of the acting back then bothered me. Um, 
I'd give it a C minus now. This this movie's pretty trashy. It's pretty poorly made. Uh, I think the only reason I'm giving it a C minus is because there you know again Will, Willem Dafoe. I don't know what his character's doing, but whatever he's <laughs> doing, he's doing it well. Um, and and Billy Conley it just yeah he's in it like three three seconds, but he's pretty good. Um, there's a couple of one-liners, but overall, this movie's pretty much high trash. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, kind of like adding to what Joe like. If you even want to give I, it a grade, I know you haven't no, I, it recently, but it's fine. It's fine. It's well, that's the thing. Like, I didn't want. I didn't bother to watch it again recently. Like, I don't need to. Like, I remember what I remember from it. If there's mm-hmm. a, some reason that you're in like this, if you're in some kind of social group that like says that you need to watch this movie. Or just to get the references of scenes, you can see the best scenes that be very we're talking suspect about. Of um, that group. No, yes, by the way, be very <laughs> suspect of that group. Um, I will tell you, they do not. Not all of them age well. Some do. I'm not being completely negative. I'm just saying, most don't. At least if you're from the Boondocks, um, the Boonies. But I'm it's not a saint. Of saints. It's not. Sorry, a saint. I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um. I just apologize for you guys interrupting me. That's weird. Um, so, Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome, Midwestern. Uh, anyways, um, we're like the Canadians, only we do like guns. Um, it's one of those things where, like, you can just watch it on fucking YouTube. Like, you don't nearly, like, all the best scenes are on YouTube. I would say, like, this is a really good William Defoe performance. Uh watch his performances on youtube like you won't get all of them on youtube for obvious reasons but i mean like the ones that actually work out where he's doing like this this like backwards sherlock holmes-esque segue like segment sorry segment with music playing and he's like like telling a whole scene in a movie as if how he understands the crime scene like that was interesting you can watch it on youtube other than that, like, you don't need to see this movie. If you see this movie, you don't have to see it fucking again, at least in my opinion, you don't. It's not like this liberal bash in this movie. I just don't think it's a good movie. And that's what I thought when I was a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, target audience. Yeah. Target art. One of the target uh, audiences. Not that I was, like, I was into, like, Kevin Sh- uh, Smith shit and all the t- like, at that time and shit. Like, I was into that. I raunchy whatever it's like there was no w- real moral high ground i was standing off of but i was just like mm-hmm. this isn't a good movie uh i'd give it two man man anuses out of uh 60 <laughs> so like, that's I'd... a d <laughs> <laughs> or that's an... I, I, I don't know if i could ever give it the d um that's it that's a oh. joke yeah i, I wasn't sure i wasn't sure <laughs> um uh, can yeah. I just, can yeah, I just throw no, no, quick, it, it's, a I just, it's a D. It's a D. It's a D. If uh, yeah. going off your guys' guidelines, but yeah. Can, can I just throw out real quick that that backwards crime scene investigating stuff? I couldn't stand that editing style. I don't time. remember it. I just remember liking it, was it at just seventeen. Like, so. Just pointless. It, okay. I, don't, I just found it was pointless. It did nothing to drive the plot or tell the story. I just I didn't like it. I didn't like it at first. I feel like the first 20 minutes of this movie looks like a five-year-old edited it. Um, but I think it, it... Once you understand the narrative style of the movie, it starts to work. And by the time you get Willem Dafoe's character literally like in the scenes, he's doing his explanations in the scenes with the other ones, I actually really, really like those scenes. Like There's a couple of them that just really work well. 
Um, especially the one where, like, literally it's occurring while he's, you know, the firefight while yeah. at the house and all that. That is, a like, the best scene in the film. Um, and it just, because it, it actually works. Like, everything pulls, it, it maybe it's because they didn't have to do a whole lot of editing. They actually had him, you know, in the scene with, uh, with the rest of the cast. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it worked. Uh, they're trying to be do the pull the whole unconventional narrative thing and honestly it it's the only thing that keeps this movie interesting if they told this story straight straight through there would have been nothing here worth true true um there's a reason that this movie yeah, ends so. up in bargain bins <laughs> that's yeah. Don't be a good cool. point i think most of the cast kind of sleeps through this thing but like i said earlier willem dafoe and billy Connolly worth the price of admission this is this is like a all-time best dafoe it would and honestly, he's he's still putting them out there, so I, I won't say that. Um, it's it's my favorite of his performances because it's not, but it's up there. It's a it's not a great movie, but it's a great performance from him. Mm-hmm. And so single handedly, he elevates this movie like quite a bit. Um, it's stylish, and some of it works. And there are moments when this movie's really fucking cool. I don't lo- like the philosophy. I don't really like the thought behind it. I don't think the acting's any good. The script is kind of crap. But there's moments of this movie where it does what it's supposed to do and it's a cool you know cool shoot 'em up action you know whatever kind of movie and if if that's what you're in for it's totally it, it totally has some entertainment value the movie's not boring um it's you know it is what it is how it got to be like a mythical cult status type movie i'm not sure i don't really understand why this compared to a hundred other things like it has you know has people so entranced and you're getting the you know tattoo mcmanus brothers tattoos on their hands and shit oh um, shit i do know i do know those kids like yeah. i personally knew know those kids and honestly that's kind of disturbing to me once i especially this time around when i really feel like i wrap my head around what the movie was saying and and, and like i said it, it's hard to separate it from modern context and so i'm possibly being a little harder on it than um i, I certainly than i was the first time i saw it um but i don't know I, I enjoy part enough about it that I can't give it like I, I'm not gonna give it a failing grade. I'll put it right in the middle somewhere. Uh, I think I'll give it a C. Um, but it still disturbs me, and I don't think I approve of its message whatsoever. But it, entertaining it is at points. So. Well, we would like to know what any of our listeners think of the Boondock Saints. Is this a movie that you really, really liked when you first saw it? Or is it something that, like Ryan, just never did anything for you? <laughs> or have you not seen it and we just convinced you not to? Uh, wait, wait, feel... wait, to wait to single me out, dude. <laughs> well, no, but I, I think that's a valid one because they're, you know... Some I'm just saying this is a movie like that we're, we're implying in, inspires killers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, you know, or if, I didn't if like you your really, review of the really, Boondock if, Saints. If like, you shit. really, really liked this movie and it inspired you to do something, go jump off a cliff. Uh, but, Please don't tie know. me to a toilet. I just don't have the patience. No. <laughs> well, we would like well, to. Now invite you know it. what to do. Just my use claust- all your strength, pick it up, and throw it. You know, yeah, that's I'm right. just gonna say, like, as soon as that happens, my claustrophobia is gonna give me like Hulk level like panic strength, and it won't that's end right. well for anybody. You know, I'm just being a stupor. <laughs> But if you have any questions or comments or <laughs> criticisms or witticisms about the Boondock Saints or our thoughts or about the podcast in general, please feel free to contact us at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at videojunkpod or find us on Facebook at our Video Junkyard Podcast group or a regular Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. 
And coming up on the Video Junkyard podcast, we will be selecting another great film, or maybe perhaps a not-so-great film, uh, from the (laughs) Tubi TV service, uh, which we've been using um, for the past few months to pick our uh, movies that we're reviewing here on the Video Junkyard podcast. And uh, been having a lot of fun with that. I think we're going to stick with Tubi for the time being. If you guys have any recommendations... um, for something we could watch that you know is available on Tubi, please reach out to us at the aforementioned places and let us know what that is. We'd love to check something out uh, picked by the audience as well. So, haven't done that in a while. Yeah. So we want to thank you once again for checking out the Video Junkyard podcast, and we hope you check us out again next week. See what we've got going. Until then, this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel. Anybody you think is evil. Uh, Don't you think that's a little weird, a little psycho? You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafry. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. <laughs>